With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome in to another episode of the Prospect Podcast. I am Chris Trapasso. Fun episode today. An outside-the-box episode. No scouting reports, philosophical ideas about the draft, rankings, although I love all three of those things, and I've done a lot of that and will do a lot of that over the next month before the 2021 NFL draft. What I have for you today is a live mock draft. I have the Pro Football Focus NFL Mock Draft Simulator up and ready to go. And I'm going to be the GM for all of the 29 teams that have a pick in the first round. The Texans, Seahawks, and Rams are the three teams that don't have a pick. I'm just going to run through all my selections, give some analysis and reasoning behind each pick. This is kind of peeling back the curtain on my weekly exercise since the start of the college football season. Uh, in September, this is what I'm thinking about every week when I do a mock draft. I've done however many that's been up until now. My final one will be like the day before the NFL draft. This is a live one. So let's see. We're after free agency. It's pretty much done. We've had a big trade, two big trades. So we have a better idea as to what some of the teams inside the top 10 and top 12 are going to do. And I promise I'm not going to waste 10, 15 minutes like they do in the real draft when they know who they're going to pick, like the number one overall pick many times. And I hope the Jaguars don't take 15 minutes or 10 minutes, whatever it is now, to pick Trevor Lawrence. And that is, of course, who I'm picking. Should Urban Meyer and uh, Trenton Balky, their new GM, have looked at and considered and done their diligence on Zach Wilson and Justin Fields? Sure. But Trevor Lawrence has been etched almost in stone for two or three years now as a number one overall prospect. And I actually just wrote at CBSSports.com today. Check it out. If you're listening super early, it's probably not up yet. But a article about the Mount Rushmore. I actually didn't use that tired cliche, I don't think, in the article. But the Mount Rushmore, I guess I'm using it here, of quarterback prospects in the last 40 years. John Elway, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, and now Trevor Lawrence. And where they rank. A little bit of a sneak peek. I think Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback prospect of those four. And But still check the article to see why. There is 
Not a lot of margin between those four, but I think Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback prospect of any of those four in the last 40 years. So he's the pick at number one. Now on to the Jets. I think Zach Wilson is going to be the guy. I think he should be the guy. Um, and I guess I need to say this as we're still at the outset. I, I'm going to go with... Um, in this mock draft, what I think, like kind of a mix of what I would do and what I think will happen. I'm not going to throw like I have Richie Grant as my number one safety or number two safety behind Trayvon Morig. I have um, Andre Sisko from Syracuse as my number three safety, both first round prospects on my board. I have Rondell Moore inside my top 20. Do I think any of those players will go that high? No. So I'm not going to throw them that high up, but I'm definitely going to be leaning a little bit on my grading system and all the film I've done, all the work I've put in over the past couple of months while I'm making these picks. I think Zach Wilson will be the guy. I think Justin Fields could operate this new Jets offense with Mike LaFleur, uh, who is a coaching descendant of Kyle Shanahan and Mike Shanahan, Gary Kubiak, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur. But I think Zach Wilson, having been in that system, stretch run to the right, bootleg left, a lot of play action, a lot of RPOs. I think it's a perfect fit. And if you've listened long enough or if you follow me on Twitter or read my work at cbssports.com, you know I never was high on Sam Darnold, and I hadn't seen outside of three or four games, Sam Darnold has just not looked like a franchise quarterback to me whatsoever. So Zach Wilson's the pick, and if I was Joe Douglas, I would trade Sam Darnold. Uh, sometime before making this pick, because at that point, his trade value is going to kind of decrease significantly. Number three overall. I'm not going to get crazy. I do not think it's going to be for Mac Jones, nor, and even more emphatically, do not think it should be Mac Jones. It should be Justin Fields. I like Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he can operate Kyle Shanahan's offense well, but so can Nick Mullins. So can C.J. Beathard. So can Kirk Cousins. So can mid-2010s Matt Schaub, certainly Matt Ryan can as well. I think it's time for the 49ers to upgrade the quarterback spot in terms of natural talent. And Justin Fields is, as we saw with that pro day running in the 4-4s, a crazy talent at the quarterback spot. And he's super accurate. That's getting lost in all of this talk about is it going to be Mac Jones or Trey Lance or Justin Fields? Justin Fields is the most accurate quarterback, I think, in this quarterback draft class. Short, intermediate, and down the field. Great ball placement. We know what he can do with his legs. He can run that stretch zone stuff just as well as Zach Wilson. I think Zach Wilson is maybe a little bit better of a point guard, just distributing quickly. Justin Fields, I think, on the field, and it's important to say that now, reminds me almost exactly of Deshaun Watson. So he's the pick at number three. Number four overall, Atlanta Falcons. This is where things, to me, get really interesting, and this is where the draft begins. I know on draft night a lot of people are going to say, oh, it's really starting at number three because we don't know what the 49ers are going to do. I think it starts at number four with the Falcons. They could go in a lot of different directions. They have a new offensive-minded head coach in Arthur Smith. Matt Ryan just restructured his deal. It will be tough for them to get out from that contract until probably 
the start of 2023. So he's going to be the quarterback most likely for the next two years. I believe off the top of my head, his dead cap hit in 2022 would be like 15 million, but they would save like 28 million or something like that. If they release him because his two, his next two cap hits are like over $40 million. So they're probably not going to go quarterback. They need edge rushers. They need corner. They need safety. There's neither of those, any of those positions, I think. There's not a prospect that is worth a number four overall pick. So you know what? I've been on this for a while with a lot of my mock drafts in the past. Going offensive skill position player. Julio Jones is 32, coming off an injury. Kevin Ridley's gotten injured, but he's shown that he can fill the void to a certain degree. Jalen Waddle is my number one wide receiver in this class by a very slim margin over Jamar Chase and then Devontae Smith. But you know who is right behind him, Those that trio, and right behind Devontae Smith on my board, Kyle Pitts. And I'm not going to be strict and say, hey, if you, you pick someone at number four who is number seven on my board, that's a reach. I that That's not enough of a discrepancy. The Falcons could use a tight end, even though they have Hayden Hurst. We know what... Way long ago, what Matt Ryan did with end-of-career Tony Gonzalez produced very well. Kyle Pitts is a freak. He's on the Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones spectrum in terms of pass-catching prospects. He's the pick at number four. We're going for broke. We're the Falcons. We're saying we got this new head coach. We got two more years of Matt Ryan. Their new GM, Terry Fontenot, was in New Orleans with the Saints. They've been riding out Drew Brees as long as possible, or they did ride out Drew Brees. We're going to ride out. Matt Ryan, and give him an elite pass-catching target in Kyle Pitts. Number five overall. This is where things also get really interesting because the Penny Sewell is, and I got to say it every episode, the low-hanging fruit. I don't know why I like that phrase so much, but I do. I guess I just want to avoid it, but then I always bring it up. Um, Penny Sewell is the guy that makes a lot of sense given what happened to Joe Burrow last season, how bad the Bengals offensive line was. But my theory on this is that I think the gap between like the number four wide receiver, number five, number six, number seven wide receiver, and the elite three is pretty big. The Bengals don't have two first round picks. They'll pick again early, obviously in round two, they could get an Elijah Moore. They could get a Terrace Marshall. Uh, but I think those wide receivers aren't anywhere close to Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, or Jalen Waddell, and they would have the pick of the wide receiver litter right here. So based strictly on my board, I would say Jalen Waddell, but because of the connection to Joe Burrow, I'm going Jamar Chase, and the Bengals can still get an immediate starter at left or right tackle early in round two, or guard if they want to. Jamar Chase is the pick at number five for the Bengals. Number six overall, Miami Dolphins. They're sitting here staring at two wide receivers who have already caught passes from their quarterback to a tongue of Iloa. I, if I were the Dolphins, I would have sat at three, picked a quarterback just because of the positional value and because of the shakiness from Tua. As a rookie, but they didn't go in that direction. They moved back and then they moved up to show that they want to be in the running for these elite pass catching targets. 
I'm going Jalen Waddle. I think they will probably pick Devontae Smith because there's just more volume there. I think just from what he's shown, he can maybe do a little more. I think Jalen Waddle is more talented. I think he has a slightly brighter future. They're all going to be good, but a slightly brighter future in the NFL. He's more sudden. I think he plays above the rim just like Devontae Smith does and is more electric after the catch. So Jalen Waddell is the pick at number six for the Dolphins. Number seven, the Detroit Lions. Now they bring over Jared Goff. They also bring over, before that, new GM Brad Holmes, who was in Los Angeles with Jared Goff. That was probably a big reason why that trade went down. They have a decent offensive line, but the rest of their team could use upgrades. And for me... You have Taylor Decker there. I remember scouting him at Ohio State. I liked him. He's signed to a long-term deal. They have Tyrell Crosby. But, man, they lost so many receivers in free agency. Kenny Galladay signed with the Giants. They lost Danny Amendola. They lost Marvin Jones. I think they probably have to go wide receiver, even if they're not thinking about Jared Goff as their guy for the next 10 years. Just get a really good wide receiver on your roster. I'm going Devontae Smith. For the Lions, he can be another high-volume guy. They can pump him a lot of screens, uh, let him use his flexibility, his deceptive speed, the fact that he plays so much bigger than his size. Uh, Devontae Smith is the pick for the Lions at number seven. Number eight overall, if you've checked any of my mock drafts, you've seen consistently, not every week, because I like to change things up, especially way far away from the draft, Trey Lance to the Panthers at number eight. It is just the most perfect fit in the top 10. And I'll be quick because I probably said it before on this podcast. I'll say it again. Trey Lance, this big armed athletic quarterback who's raw, getting behind and being mentored by Teddy Bridgewater, who is the opposite quarterback, very accurate, knows where to go with the football, doesn't have a big arm, doesn't try to run too much. That would be the perfect mentorship for him. Trey Lance at pick number eight, maybe not a 2021 type selection, but 2022 and beyond for the Matt Rule era. That would be just perfect value at this point. Number nine with the Broncos. I'm not going to have any trades in this because it would be, I can't really just trade with myself. or I don't know. I, I don't want to do a lot of trades or any trades in this. I think though at this point, this would be a good situation for the Broncos to potentially trade back. However, guess who's still on the board? Penny Sewell. And he really hasn't been someone that is a trendy prospect for the Broncos. I think because most mocks have the Bengals picking Penny Sewell at number five. The Dolphins picked Austin Jackson last year, the left tackle from USC. They picked Robert Hunt in the second round from Louisiana Lafayette. The Lions don't really have the huge glaring need at tackle. Same is true with the Carolina Panthers, although I guess they could pick offensive tackle. So, Penny Sewell sitting there at nine. I think they really could use, the Broncos could use a right tackle. Garrett Bowles played very well in his contract season last year at left tackle. Um, Picking Penny Sewell, you plug him in at right tackle. That's not a diss on him whatsoever. Right tackle is vital in today's NFL. And if Garrett Bowles has a regression from really what was kind of an outlier season, you have Penny Sewell sitting there. You can move him to left tackle after that. This is actually kind of an easy pick because I think 
for as much as they probably want quarterback, give Drew Locke at least a half of a season with a good offensive line, with a healthy Cortland Sutton, all those young talents at tight end and at receiver, give him another shot. You're not picking Mac Jones here. You're picking Penny Sewell, best player available. Number 10, the Dallas Cowboys. Well, after how bad their defense was last year, it would be hard to not pick a defender here. They're probably not going to go offensive line, especially with Penny Sewell gone, even with Rashawn Slater and Christian Darasaw sitting there. And I wouldn't hate it if they went in that direction because of the age collectively of their offensive line, Tyron Smith's. Up there in age now, he's at, I think he's a little like 31, maybe 31, 32. Uh, he's been in the league for like 30 years, it seems like. But he's been injured. They lost Travis Frederick a few years ago to retirement. Zach Martin is kind of the key cog up front. Lyle Collins has been injured. I don't think they'll go in that direction. Even though certainly after Dak Prescott's injury, it wouldn't surprise me if they want to prioritize offensive line. But it was kind of a freak injury. It's not like something that, you know, he was getting pressured a crazy, crazy amount in that was directly leading to the ankle injury. So most people here would go Patrick Sertan or Caleb Farley. Caleb Farley is my number one corner, but the back injury, if I was the GM, I would be a little concerned at number 10 overall. And Patrick Sertan, I think, is a better version of Trevon Diggs, but he's similar in that he's big, he's overpowering. Actually, he's pretty uh, patient at the line of scrimmage, but I don't think he has the athletic quickness to match up with the elite separators in the NFL who are awesome getting releases off the line of scrimmage. And if you could get him later in round one, great, but I don't know if he's worth the number 10 overall pick. I'm going to go with Micah Parsons. And I actually have him graded much lower than this. Leighton Vander Ash has dealt with neck injuries. Jalen Smith, that contract looks like a major mistake. Good against the run, but not good in coverage. Parsons, I think, gives you somewhat similar stylistic uh, abilities to Jalen Smith, but he can line up on the edge on third downs and be a legitimate pass rusher. So I think the Cowboys at this point, if this is what the board looked like, with you know they're staring at Patrick Sertan, Micah Parsons, Rashawn Slater, uh, J.C. Horn. I don't know if he's necessarily worth this high of a selection. Very grabby. Um, as a man coverage specialist, I'm picking Micah Parsons because of what he can do on third downs and how athletic he is, how young he is, the upside there. And I get it, linebackers in the first round, I'm usually not a big fan of that, but just considering the need on the defense and that this is not like that wouldn't just be a need based pick. Micah Parsons is a damn good prospect. Number 11 overall. So the top playmakers are gone. For Dave Gettleman and the New York Giants, what do they ultimately do? They've had a really good offseason. I think bringing in Kenny Galladay, bringing in a Dory Jackson, two big signings that I don't think a lot of people saw coming. Um, they re-signed Leonard Williams. But it's really all about Daniel Jones, year three of Daniel Jones. And I actually think up front with... The way Andrew Thomas played down the stretch, you know you're going to get good play from Will Hernandez. Matt Pert is there, who I loved last year coming out of UConn at right tackle. They brought in John Ross, too, as just a little flyer. I didn't hate it. They brought in Dante Pettis as a flyer. Didn't hate that either. 
They have James Bradbury, who played fantastically last season with the Giants. This is kind of a tough spot. I think they could also be in the Micah Parsons running or the sweepstakes, even with Blake Martinez, Lorenzo Carter. Uh, this is another NFC team that I think uh, will be very interested in trading down at this point. But what I think they will ultimately do, I'm going to kind of bake that into this a little bit more, is pick Christian Barmore from Alabama. He He's actually my second defensive tackle, so this really is a what I think they will do selection. But we know Dave Gettleman loves those players in, in the trenches. They have Leonard Williams on a big contract. They love Dexter Lawrence. He was, he's been fantastic uh, as that really pass-rushing nose tackle, great against the run. He hasn't been amazing as a pass rusher, but he's been very good against the run. They brought in Danny Shelton. I'm going to go – actually, maybe I can change this. Let's see. I don't know if that's the pick that I necessarily want. Even with – this, ironically or, or weirdly, this is a team that I don't think has a ton of needs, even for as bad as this team has been recently because they were so active in free agency and filled a lot of their needs. You know what? I'm going to pick Rashawn Slater. So this the, the one change-up that I'll have here, being a, a live draft, we're going to have these. Rashawn Slater, they drafted three offensive linemen last year, Will Hernandez, or Andrew Thomas, Matt Pert, and Shane Lemieux. The guard position is still a little rough. Zach Fulton is penciled in as the right guard at this point. We're going Rashawn Slater. He gives... The Giants tackle upside, but can be a tremendous guard from day one. And of all GMs that would maybe be enamored by length and uh, be concerned about it for a tackle, I think it would probably be Dave Gettleman. So we're going to go Rashawn Slater at number 11. Number 12, and I'll speed things up a little bit so we're not keeping you here for too long, the Eagles. Another, I think, even with potentially three first-round picks on the docket in 2022, they're a team that could trade down here too. So a lot of the NFC East teams, just from how the board's likely going to fall, and certainly in this mock, are all in trade-down scenarios. But they've needed corner for a while. I think they're going to prioritize um, athleticism and length, and fortunately there's a lot of those corners in this class. I think this is going to be Patrick Sertan. They like what they have from Darius Slay. Patrick Sertan is, to me, a very high floor, maybe – relatively low ceiling type of corner. Patrick Sertan to the Eagles at 12. The Chargers, and they 1,000% need to be in on tackle early on, or guard. There's not really a guard that's a premier prospect in this class. I'll be quick with this one. Christian Darasaw, he's my number two offensive tackle in this class. I think he's ready to go from day one. And right now, the Chargers don't have a left tackle, so plug in Christian Darasaw. Big, long, balanced, athletic. He's a punisher in the run game. Very good balance. Uh, agility. He's got it all. I think he's going to be a very good tackle in the NFL, and it's all about protecting Justin Herbert with the Chargers. Number 14 overall, the Minnesota Vikings. I've learned a lot about the Vikings from Matt doing this podcast with him over the past couple months. They're probably going to go along the defensive line, although they did address it a little bit in free agency. They could go corner. J.C. Horn wouldn't shock me. But I do think they really need edge help. And Quiddy Pay, ironically, like at six, he was like 6'2", 260-something, 
was a little bit smaller than I think uh, Mike Zimmer likes at the edge rusher spot. And he didn't like test absolutely through the roof like everyone thought. He had a good combine or a good pro day. I'm going to go Jalen Phillips from Miami because to me, he checks the traditional Vikings boxes, the Rick Spielman, Mike Zimmer boxes. He's tall. He's got good weight over 200. And I think he was close to 260 at the pro day, long arms and just checks all the boxes. He's good with his hands. He's bendy good against the run. The concussions are the only issue. Number 14 overall, Jalen Phillips to the Vikings. Number 15, this is Mac Jones and Sigmund Bloom. When I was on the Audible podcast with football guys earlier this week, right before I was on it, he tweeted at me and said, because I, I sent out a tweet that was like, I don't understand why the 49ers are like trying to spread anything about, hey, we want to pick Mac Jones if they really don't because they're at three and who are they? They don't have to get in front of anyone. They can just, I mean, not that they necessarily want to say who they're going to pick and put that out there, but a lot of the speculation for Mac Jones just doesn't make sense to me. And it makes me think that they might have some legs. Sigmund Bloom said, I think it's the only thing that he could wrap his mind around was that Kyle Shanahan is trying to bait Bill Belichick to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo because Mac Jones is not going to get there to 15. I think he ultimately will. Maybe a team falls in love with him and trades up earlier than this. I think this is a perfect landing spot for him. Play behind Cam Newton as his team kind of gets built back up. Needs a lot of work. They need still wide receiver, even after bringing in Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar on the first day of free agency. Mac Jones, number 15 overall to the New England Patriots. The Nick Saban, Bill Belichick pipeline continues. Number 16 overall, Arizona Cardinals. They need a corner bad. They need a man coverage corner. And I think I wouldn't pick JC Horn this high in a vacuum, but given the need and given the positional scheme fit and also given Caleb Farley's injury, I'm going to go JC Horn. He had the crazy pro day, 41 inches, 11 foot broad jump, crazy fast NFL bloodlines. He's going to go to the Cardinals at 16, number 17 overall. Oakland Raiders, man, they need a lot. What a weird offseason for them, especially up front on that offensive line. It was becoming like the top three, top five offensive line in the NFL. No more Trent Brown, no more Gabe Jackson, no more Rodney Hudson. So weird. They need corner, they need safety. They could use more push on the interior. They'd pick Jonathan Abrams. He was not worthy of being a first-round pick. He's good against the run, not much more. This is going to be Christian Barmore. This is a, a what I think will happen selection almost strictly because I think Levi Anwazirke is a better prospect. Barmore flashes, but it's a little bit too inconsistent for my liking. He goes at number 17 to the Raiders. Number 18 overall. So the Dolphins are sitting there. They pick Jalen Waddell at six. They have the number 18 overall selection. Their own selection from their 10-6 and six season in 2020. I think they have to go back into the trenches because I don't think the offensive line is set at this point. And Elijah Vera Tucker, I have him graded in the first round. He's the pick. Would make a lot of sense. He was outstanding as a guard in 2019. Was phenomenal as a tackle in 2020. I think, I don't get this thought. Like, it's almost like whenever there's a smaller tackle, 
And then some people say, hey, maybe he can play guard in the NFL. That a lot of like the football guys out there are like, hey, he's a tackle. What's wrong with being a guard? You need to be good at your guard spots in the NFL. You know how many good interior pass rushers there are? And Elijah Vera Tucker is really athletic. And what's wrong with being a little bit of a taller and a longer guard that still plays with good center of gravity? Like, it's not a diss if you're a guard. That needs to be done. It's like the low-hanging fruit. Like, hey, don't just call that six-foot, four-tackle a guard. Well, yeah, he might play guard, and that's fine. He's going to be good at guard. Elijah Vera Tucker to the Dolphins at 18. 19 overall. Now, the weird thing is that the Washington football team, they need a quarterback long-term, unless they think that uh, Taylor Heineke is the guy. But they have Ryan Fitzpatrick for this year. So I think they're a team. They made the playoffs last year. They have a good defense. They're like, hey, let's like try to win a playoff game or two and see where this goes with this defense with Ron Rivera. They brought in Curtis Samuel. I still think they need wide receiver. I don't necessarily know in terms of you know factoring in injury history and stuff if there's one available. I, I have Rondell Moore slotted right around this range, and he'll probably end up there. I'm not going to do many changes until the draft. I would pick him, but that's without knowing anything, you know, about the details of his injury history. So there's not, this is kind of a weird spot. It's yet another NFC East team that could theoretically trade down. What I'm going to do though, is go best player available. They technically don't need this. They got Cameron curl, uh, a late round pick a few years ago who actually played pretty well uh, in 2020 as kind of their nickel safety linebacker. But I don't love the rest of the linebacker group. Kaliki Hudson, John Bostic. John Bostic's still in the league. Wow. Cole Holcomb. I'm picking Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. I think Ron Rivera having played with Luke Keekley, Thomas Davis, a converted safety from Georgia way back in the day. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, best player available. He's a top 10 player on my board. He's the pick for the Washington football team, strengthening that defense. Chicago Bears. Another team with a weird offseason. But I'll give them credit. They they made concerted efforts to get to upgrade the quarterback spot. I wouldn't necessarily have gotten rid of Kyle Fuller to sign Andy Dalton, but that is a could be a whole other podcast. They need better blocking up front. They also need, after releasing Kyle Fuller, they need corner. I really like Asante Samuel. I don't think I think that would be way this is would be too aggressive for him so i'm, I'm going to try to be realistic caleb farley sitting there and we're getting to the point now where the back injury might not be that big of a concern in terms of just value the the, the reward outweighs the risk so i'm going caleb farley here to be your immediate plug-in to the vacancy created from the release of kyle fuller caleb farley to the bears at 20. Indianapolis Colts, I still think they need wide receiver big time, especially they're bringing in Carson Wentz. We know what happens when his receivers aren't wide open. Uh, they could go offensive tackle after the Anthony Costanzo retirement. They signed Sam Tevy from the Chargers. I don't think Sam Tevy's great. And the last thing you want beyond not having receivers who can get open is Carson Wentz under pressure. I really like Tevin Jenkins. He's a college right tackle. 
I don't know if you want to plug him right into left tackle. He's not a crazy athlete, but very fundamentally sound. I'm going to go wide receiver to give Carson Wentz one of the most complete receivers in this class in Rashad Bateman. He might not be like your classic West Coast offense type because he's not crazy after the catch, but I think Frank Reich and Carson Wentz will like Rashad Bateman on that team. Very, very well-rounded wide receiver. 22 overall, this has to be, I think, an edge rusher. Well, actually, the Titans did sign Bud Dupree, but I don't know if he's ready to be an alpha edge rusher in the NFL. I guess with that, maybe not. Wide receiver, though, after losing Corey Davis to the Jets, is probably a pretty big need. And we know they lose Arthur Smith, but they're probably going to do a lot of the same stuff with Ryan Tannehill, a lot of play action, stuff like that. Run pass option, get the ball out quickly, occasionally take a deep shot down the field. They could use tackle, too. That's a team that is not necessarily set after losing Jack Conklin last season. Taylor Lewan has gotten injured. They could be a team that could pick offensive tackle, and that's actually the direction I'm going to go. I think Tevin Jenkins, his nastiness as a run blocker and his ability, even as a pass protector, he's very good, very technically sound. Makes a lot of sense. Plug him in at right tackle, and you're good to go. Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. One of the more high-floor tackles in this class goes to the Titans at 22. Number 23, this is the Jets pick from the Seahawks in that ridiculously lopsided Jamal Adams trade that I hated the second it happened for the Seahawks. So the Jets pick Zach Wilson at 2. They've been pretty active in free agency. Biggest signings, Carl Lawson at edge, Corey Davis at receiver. I think quietly, and if this is right, I'm going to bring up this sound later. I think there will be many games where Keelan Cole outplays Corey Davis. I like Corey Davis. Loved him coming out of Western Michigan in 2017. I've watched a lot of Keelan Cole with the Jaguars. He's just a good football player. Very underrated. I think the Jets will be happier with the Keelan Keelan Cole signing than they are the Corey Davis signing, especially factoring in money. But 23, they could use offensive line. They could use someone opposite. Carl Lawson, because that edge group needs a lot of work. The safety spot is pretty solid. Trayvon Mooring sitting there from TCU, available. I'm going to go kind of sort of best player available and pick Quiddy Pay from Michigan to pair with Carl Lawson. Two very good athletes. Similar players. Carl Lawson is a little smaller. But that Jets defense with Robert Sala there as their defensive minor head coach is probably going to want to get a little stronger on the edges as a pass rushing unit. Quiddy pay to the Jets at number 23 overall. Now the Steelers are sitting there. there. There's no quarterback worth picking at this point. They need reinforcement on their offensive line. They lose Marquise Pouncey. They lose Matt Filer. Alejandro Villanueva is, I believe, still a free agent. Haven't re-signed him. And if I'm wrong on that, my bad. But I, I don't think he's still there or that they haven't brought him back yet. But even if they have or they do, they need a long-term answer, a tackle and guard. But they also need running back too. I think their GM, Kevin Colbert, is a little bit smarter than this. He picks receivers in round two. He picks running backs round two, round three. James Conner, Le'Veon Bell. 
this is kind of a difficult spot for the Steelers. They lose Bud Dupree. I think someone who would be awesome here, Aziz Ojulari from Georgia. He's not that big, physical Bud Dupree type, but a stand-up rusher from the outside. I think he could learn a lot from T.J. Watt, who was when he came into the NFL was not this huge hulking edge rusher. Now he's an elite pass rusher. Aziz Ojulari from Georgia. Bendy, explosive, pass rushing moves. And speed through the rest of these because I don't want this to get too long or like 35 minutes. Pick 25, Jacksonville Jaguars from the LA Rams. Go Trevor Lawrence at one. They have still a lot of needs. They didn't really get that active in free agency. This is, to me, a, a prime position for Rondell Moore. Even with LaVisca Chenault there, he could be the Percy Harvin for Urban Meyer. I think Rondell Moore, even more so, is a Percy Harvin prototype for Urban Meyer. At this point, 25, the five foot seven and the injury history, you're like, okay, we can take a risk here at 25. So Jaguars, Rondell Moore. The Browns are sitting there. They need help on the interior after losing Larry Ogunjobi in the division to the Cincinnati Bengals. Good signing by the Bengals, by the way, with that one. They need edge rusher. They need linebacker. Zayvon Collins is sitting there. Boogie Basham from Wake Forest. Jason Owe, who I'm not nearly as high on. Not anywhere close to as high on Gregory Rousseau is where I think he'll ultimately get picked. But I would really love to see, and this is, I don't think I've ever mocked this. Zayvon Collins go to the Cleveland Browns at 26 because he's 6'4", 255, and is a three-down player, and he can cover and get after the passer as a blitzer or put his hand in the dirt. So the Browns would be getting a truly multifaceted player, instant playmaker to that defense that really needs help at the linebacker spot. Baltimore Ravens, we know the type that they like. They like those big defensive linemen. They need it. They also, after really striking out at the receiver spot. I don't know if Sammy Watkins at this point is moving the needle that much. This has seemed like for a while, a great landing spot for Terrace Marshall from LSU speedster ran four, three, eight, I believe or four or high or low four fours at the combine or I keep saying combine pro day for LSU. He's like six, three, two twenty. And I think he's better after the catch than a lot of people give him credit for. He's just a horse in the open field. Was a big, big recruit coming in there to LSU a few years ago. Terrace Marshall gives Lamar Jackson a big target at wide receiver who's fast and good after the catch. Number 28 overall, the Saints. They have needs, actually quite a few needs for a team that is picking this late, especially given the retirement of Drew Brees and the fact that they have not really been able to find a compliment for Michael Thomas. And you know who's going to be that compliment? One of my favorite wide receiver prospects in this class reminds me a lot of Brandon Cooks, who Sean Payton loved in the 2014 draft class, picked him in round one, Elijah Moore from Mississippi. I think he could be that perfect quick game underneath drag routes, bubble screens to take some attention away from Michael Thomas as he comes back from injury. Elijah Moore. Adds some more weaponry there for Jameis Winston, most likely, or maybe Taysom Hill. 
in New Orleans. Green Bay Packers at 29. They could use receiver, but it seems like they never want to pick a receiver in the first round, and they got all the way to the NFC title game without really addressing that receiver spot and having the strangest draft that I've maybe I've ever seen for a legitimate contender in a very well-established organization in 2020, picking a lot for the future when they were in win-now mode. I, I didn't get it. They could use linebacker. Parsons is gone. Zayvon Collins is gone. Owusu Koromoa is gone. I don't think Nick Bolton is the type of prospect that could or should be picked this high. They're really interesting at 29. They could trade back. It wouldn't shock me if Brian Gutekunst did that. They bring back Kevin King. They have Jair Alexander. They seem like a team that is not afraid to take... um, a little bit of a flyer on a player, especially a little late in the first round. I think this is going to be Dylan Raiden's, and and maybe not. I think this is what it's going to be for this mock. I'm going Dylan Raiden's, a little bit off the radar. North Dakota State, he's smaller, doesn't have a lot of uh, weight to his frame yet in terms of NFL sta- or by NFL standards, but crazy athlete. I think in a few years they're going to have a need at tackle. Dylan Raidens is the pick, 29 overall. Buffalo Bills at number 30. Another team, uh, well, I guess different from the Green Bay Packers, the AFC runner-up, don't have a lot of holes. They retained everyone. John Feliciano, Darrell Williams, Matt Milano. Bring in Emmanuel Sanders. Bring back Mario Addison. Bring back Vernon Butler. At this point, there would be probably a pretty big argument in the Bills' war room. Should it be Travis Etienne or should it be Greg Newsom from Northwestern? I think Sean McDermott would say, hey, I want a corner. Even though they did re-sign restricted free agent Levi Wallace, they got some quality play out of 2020 seventh rounder Dane Jackson from Pittsburgh. But I do think for as in lockstep as... Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott are from their time in Carolina. I think Bean is running the show. I mean, that's what we haven't heard anything different. I think it's going to be Travis Etienne at number 30. They need more juice in that running back room. I like Devin Singletary. I like Zach Moss. Contact balance guys. Are they speedsters? No. They both ran in the four sixes. Travis Etienne is their space player. Get him in the screen game. Hit home runs from the run game. I think the Bills want to do that. Travis Etienne at pick 30. 31 overall, Kansas City Chiefs, they need tackle bad. I don't care that they re-sign Mike Remmers. And here I think Alex Leatherwood would be a home run of a pick. Tested very well at the Alabama Pro Day. Two full years of clean tape, not a lot of whiffs, a lot of quality pass protection, good run blocker, size, length, everything you want. Instant starter at the tackle spot, Alex Leatherwood to the Chiefs at 31. Last pick in the first round of this live prospect podcast mock draft. Reigning Super Bowl champ, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Tom Brady's. PFF has one of their needs as quarterback, I mean, I guess, but obviously they're not going in, in that direction. 
I think they're going to go somewhere in the trenches, whether that be tackle, whether that be guard, because when Alex or when Ali Marpet got hurt last year, it was kind of a disaster. And a lot of their guys, their guys that they retain, the key pieces from their Super Bowl run are on one-year deals or a little older, like Ndamukong Sue, like Levante David. They have a pretty young secondary, which I think is very important in today's NFL. Sean Murphy Bunting, uh, Jamel Dean, Carlton Davis, Antoine Winfield, Mike Edwards, a lot of young guys up there in that secondary, or down there in Tampa, I should say. So we're going to go into the trenches up front on offense or defense. See, this is tough. There's probably not anyone worth picking at defensive. You know what? Here's what I'm going to do to finish this off. There's a little bit of hesitation here at the last pick. Defensive end that can play multiple positions. I'm going to go Carlos Basham from Wake Forest. Great week in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. Tested pretty well at the Wake Forest Pro Day yesterday. Can play him at three technique, can play him at five, can play him at seven, can rush the passer. Is he going to have a gigantic role in year one? No, but I think learning from a lot of those veterans, Jason Pierre-Paul and Dominican Sue, we already mentioned, he's just a powerful, freaky athlete for being as built as he is. Carlos Basham to the Buccaneers at number 32 overall. All right, hopefully that was fun. It was fun for me. Just a live mock draft. We're about a month away from the 2021 NFL draft. Of course, it's fun to just kind of see where we are with all these teams. We know the team needs, we know the free agents that have been signed, where players are going to be slotted. Uh, but that'll do it for me today. Thank you for listening. I'm Chris Trapasso, and this was the prospect podcast. <laughs>